Humans have been telling stories for thousands of years, and here's why. Stories activate our emotions, and whenever you combine emotion to new information, that knowledge sticks with us for a lot longer. That's why I'm on a quest to discover true modern stories by the people who live them so that we may all learn wisdom from it. My name is Cole. Thanks for joining me on the summit of Mentor Mountain. Welcome to the show, guys. We have Chris Randall, and Chris played professional football for a number of years and has quite the life story to tell us as well, and the lessons he learns along the way are incredible, so he gets to teach them to us now, and he's just a great guy, so enjoy. Here's Chris. Chris Randall, thanks for being here, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. So you have had quite the journey, but let's start off with your childhood. What, what was your childhood like? You lived in Oakland, right? That is correct. So I grew up in Oakland, California, and I was raised in a single-parent household. So that dynamic played itself out, too. Uh, in our family, I had one brother, one sister, and we kind of moved around a little bit. I lived a little bit on the west side of Oakland from my first few years. Uh, and then getting into kindergarten into about middle school, I was more on the east side of Oakland. So I was on MacArthur. I was in Fruitville. Uh, so that's kind of where it really starts is Oakland, California, my brother, my sister, my mom. And then um, from there, just figuring out life, even in Oakland, uh, I would have this, and I'm diving into it, just the hustle at mentality. Like, I'm kind of raised around that in Oakland. There's a lot of hustlers or different activities to hustle. Yeah. But I found <laughs> mine's being uh, selling newspapers, right? Oh, selling newspapers right for 25 cents out of the dollar twenty-five. I'm selling them for, right? I get 25 or I get 50 cents a paper, and I would go out on Sundays and sell papers at that before the A stadium, before they go in there on hangar burger. I was out there giving people their newspapers before they went to the stadium. I would, uh, this is like, we have middle school. I would, um, help. I'll be outside uh, the grocery store, helping people taking their groceries to the, to their carts, seeing if they need any assistance. I would be at the gas station. Like, do you need help pumping your gas? I really, I didn't see blinders and what I was doing at the time. But knowing that I wanted Pokemon cars, new, uh, <laughs> shoes, new clothes, and I was getting it for myself. Single mom, right? She's doing what she can. And I'm out there really, I remember that vividly teaching me how to hustle. And I saw from doing it the way I did it was it was getting me what the results that I wanted, right? I'm around a lot of different influences being in Oakland, California. But that's kind of how I navigated growing up um, just in a single mother household. Uh, as a young, you know, middle schooler before going to high school, pretty much. That's amazing, man. So the the main motivation for you to hustle back then was Pokemon cards and shoes, just like those. That yeah. middle school drive, you know, no, everything, everything like that the matters. You had the marbles. Uh, <laughs> I was literally trying to just get ice cream. Like the yeah. pizza at lunch was great. Like that used to be a dollar fifty. I had to buy the pizza, but I was always able to get pizza. So it was cool, man. I, I feel like that was my motivation then. But honestly, the hustle, just being able to see 
put some work in and get something out of it was like that part that kind of stuck around. That's cool. So Oakland, there's, oh, you said there's a lot of different ways to go about it. A lot of different influences. What made you, what helped you stay out of the bad influences? Oh man. So, uh, I did navigate towards sports so that, that helped me keep my time in a certain fashion, a certain way. So I would say sports and then your family, again, being your biggest mm -hmm. support. Once they see you adapting to something and you're good at it, they're going to try to protect that for you. So I did have a very good family in that regard where they only want the best for me. Like even to this day, they're just riding for me. And I think we always do that for each other's family. So I think my family was a huge influence. And then also just having time allocated to sports, building another community and family in sports where I'm going to their houses and hanging out with their family. So that's more time around, you know, the different community, different exposures. And just overall, I feel like having that net of people kind of also look after you after they see what you can and have potential to do, I think is the overall like key to why I was able to kind of avoid some of those distractions. That's really cool. Your mom sounds like a rock. She sounds Oh awesome. man, she made it through. She She's still, still pushing through like, through all the kids, through her own trials of living her life. And now she has the grandkids she's working <laughs> through, but she's been our rock. She has definitely been our rock. Oh, that's great. What Do you remember any specific moments where you fell in love with sports? Specific moment. I can remember the moment I was going to play basketball instead of football. I know that because <laughs> my cousins would go out and play Pop Warner football. And I'm like, again, 10, 11 at this point. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to go try it. I always play basketball in the playground and stuff like that, but never like organized sports. I think I really started in middle school was organized. But so then I tried football and I went, I was on defense at the time and the officer player, like they wear these visors, but in Pop Warner, they use zip ties to keep the visor on and then they cut it off. So it's like a sharper edge. Oh. Right. Oh, I don't think that's safe. You know, get no. that safety code. But I went and tackled the kid, but then I ended up getting gashed in my arm by the visor and ended up getting like 14 stitches in my arm. This no. is like the second day out there. Like this is not oh, like man. I've been out there for a long time. So from then, I mean, I didn't want to quit, but it's like, I'm not about to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been cut open like that before when you see the white meat and it's just blood. Oh, yeah. So that did turn me to playing basketball all of middle school for the most part, for sure. That's when I decided. That's a story and a feeling I remember that did shift me towards basketball. But then, I mean, I'm a football player. So yeah. I, ultimately, all the basketball guys, like, we about to go play football. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go, I'll go try it out. So I, I do remember those two moments is when I decided to play basketball, then I decided to play football. So guide me through that moment that you decided to go back to football. Was there was there a moment where you're like, okay, I can do this? Well, it wasn't for me, I said I'm not gonna get hit. I'm not gonna do the hit. I'm gonna be the quarterback. <laughs> so And you were you were so in high school, right? 
Yeah, I was in high school. I never played quarterback, but I'm like, look, I'm not tackling. I'm not getting tackled, but I'll be the quarterback. And they, I went out there and bid the quarterback. We had an undefeated season, and I kept playing quarterback. So that's how it really started. Like, I I was like, I'm not getting tackled. I'm not tackling nobody. I need people protecting me, and I can run away. Like, that's how I it's supposed to be. But then it turned into something different. When I started playing, it was super fun. And I w- and the idea of tackling was like, it wasn't even near an issue for me anymore after I started playing. And after I got hit and didn't get stitches again, like after you go through it a few times, get dirty a little bit, it's like, oh, okay, this is fun. And to see you have success doing it and have some challenges and kind of build with the brothers on the team. Like I said, there were my friends that went out there. So I'm like, okay, I'll go do it. And you you don't just go out there halfway. If you got your friends out there, they depending on you to do good. So I'm always trying to hold my weight. And yeah, it kind of turned into something more, which led me to actually ultimately getting a scholarship to play football in college. That's so awesome, man. So when, uh, I guess, there are a couple of things. When you were saying how, you know, you realize you get hit again, you don't get stitches and it's not that bad. It crossed my mind yeah. with my daughter and teaching her to not be afraid of certain things, whether it be like rock climbing or swimming or just any type of activity. I've learned it's so important to let her have some successes before she falls or do anything like mm-hmm. that because uh, you just are scared. You know, if you, yeah. if you don't have any wins at first and then something bad happens or it's not pleasant right, right from the get-go, it's not easy to jump back into it. So that's cool, man. Um, Definitely daunting. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what got you out of, when did you guys leave Oakland? Okay. So we, around that middle school time, um, as I was doing the hustling and newspapers and it started to go into a little different direction at some point. <laughs> it wasn't as innocent. <laughs> so nothing like super crime, but just petty stuff like bikes and like just wanting more and doing more and being around. And it's like, my mom was like, no, this is not the direction we're heading. So she made the decision to move to Merced, California, which is about an hour and a half away, Central Valley, California, near mm. Fresno. Um, and that was a that was the change. That was a big decision for the dynamic of my, you know, my future. Really, it made a huge, huge uh, impact. And during it, it wasn't easy because it was like it wasn't an abrupt decision, but it was like we're doing this. And mm-hmm. so it was like grab everything. We're going to move to Merced. We didn't know anybody in Merced, so we we had a uh, I guess a cousin that live somewhere in Merced, but we weren't by them specifically yet. We were trying to get a place by them and that didn't happen immediately. So for like my first couple months and moving into Merced, we stayed in a hotel for that time period. Just like, so that's just like the magnitude. My mom made the decision. We are moving. This is what's happening. We'll figure everything out as we go. So it was, not for me, it was hard to meet my leave my cousins and my what I know to do something different. And it was like that whole experience kind of just forced me to dive into something, right? It forced me to find out the new basketball team that's at this school, 
forced me to make new friends, forced me to kind of adapt to the scenario. And that's what something I've been able to do is kind of continue to adapt to situations that may not be ideal, you know, mm -hmm. may not, it may be something you're expecting or it may come unexpected, but how you respond to something. And that's made a grown version of saying, you know, what I was going through. I feel like I had to learn how to actually express that and know what it is. But looking back on it is like, I continue to adapt to scenarios and situations that again, find myself around group of group of people in community that kept protecting me and lifting me up and seeing me go to, you know, maximize my potential. Mm. How did you feel toward your mom when she told you you were moving? Well, it was, you know, mom, moms have a way of just getting it through to you. I feel yeah. like for me, it's something I didn't want to accept, but Again, adapted is something I had to do. I think the first week maybe it was like, I'm trying to go back. But after yeah. that, it wasn't like, you just you just go out there, ride your bike, and meet some friends, or you go out. I was in the skateboarding at the time, and then I do remember playing football in the middle of the street with, with friends in the neighborhood. So once you get out of that state of mind, I guess, that I don't want to be here and open up a little bit to where you are, it it kind of I didn't really pay much mind to it. That's great. How did was there a moment that you realized that you could take sports far? Um, yeah, I mean, in high school, it was like my senior year, and a lot of things was just going well. I just kept going, <laughs> like from my junior year to my senior year, things just kept rolling, and the, and the momentum kept building. And then they did this like newspaper writing article on me, and they called me Mister Hollywood, and oh, he's leading man. the team to the playoffs. He's the MVP, and all this and that. From there on, people still call me Mister Hollywood, and it was like something <laughs> about like what what is going on and that kind of triggered something for me. I don't know. I kind of embodied it a little bit. I don't know. But it it was like, oh, okay, something's going on, right? Yeah. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't sure. And shortly after, I did receive a, a scholarship to play football at Division One school at Utah State. So it kind of like, oh, I can do this. Or I was like, I think that's the moment. I think the article and then also ultimately that senior year being able to continue to pick up on what I did my junior year and do even more so was like, oh, okay, I can I can see myself just and that wasn't like I was looking at, oh, I can go to the NFL or I can go start division one. That wasn't even in my mindset, but it was like I see this opportunity, I know I can do this. Like I can do this probably anywhere. So that's kinda was my thought. Like I wasn't Again, I've done it for four years. Like I didn't do it growing up. Like most of the kids starting, kids start now at like eight years old. I have my son who is five. We've been training since he's been two, right? So yeah, there you go. I yeah. started like high school and it was like, all right, I could do this, right? I could continue to get better at it. And then, yeah, that opportunity kind of sealed it. Like, all right, I'm, I'm going to try to give him all of this. Man, that's cool. What was it like coming to Utah? Going to Logan. Good old Logan, man. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was my recruiting trip was my first experience to just a completely different culture than Oakland and then kind of Merced. 
and you got Logan, Utah, right? So yeah. like a lot, it was, it was super snowy. We went and then it's the college actually too. Like this is like, I didn't even know what to really expect in college. Like I'm yeah. the first one in my family to go to college. So I didn't know what to really look at or pay attention to, but as it starts and it keeps like the exposure of things you're starting to look at for the football players you're meeting, you go to the Aggie basketball stadium and you watch JC Carroll play basketball, you get to go to the locker room, you get to like take you to the hot spring, you eating steaks. You I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? This is a this is not bad. This yeah. is okay. So they they roll out the red carpet for recruits. And my first experience in Logan, Utah was that. It was amazing. And um I did have other offers, but nothing of the caliber of a division one. I, I had some D one double A. So that just sealed it. My trip was good and that was my first D one offer and yeah, I thought overall, overall, my first experience in Logan was cool, and my overall experience in Logan has been great too. Like, I have no complaints, but the cold bitterness, right? That that part, <laughs> that everybody proof. will say that is one of the coldest places. It's colder than it is here in the Salt Lake County, Utah County. It's just a, a little bit more frigid, but yeah. you know, you you kind of you kind of become adapted again you gotta adapt and get used to it so that's kind of what we did when i was in logan for about four years so what is the key if any to adapting to a new culture yeah um i just think open buying being open-minded is a huge huge component to adapting open-minded being able to see good in things like because it ain't gonna all be bad right it's not gonna all be good so finding good in things and then being able to be open-minded i think if you continue to find those rhythms and rhymes you can kind of navigate to surround yourself on feeling good and getting more successes around things right having things work in your favor as you adapt because there's gonna be things that don't you know necessarily go with what you believe in or it may not make you feel the best or it just may be something that it's not the best opportunity for you so that's just part of the process too like part of the process adapting is knowing that all right i probably shouldn't be over here i should probably be over there right mm -hmm. or just getting used to the energies like one thing i do pay attention to is kind of the things i can and can't control so uh when it comes to just if I'm around an environment where I can be disciplined, right, that's something I want to continue to surround myself with. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's an environment where the energy is vibrant up, I, that's something I can control, right? I control yeah. the the circle that I keep. And that's something, again, I had to define that as I made it through this journey of life in these different circles. Like I've been in Canada, I've been all over the world in different circles, and it's like I have to keep finding the rhyme to why I'm able to move this way. So being able to be disciplined, being able to surround yourself with a certain circle of people, those are the main aspects that you can really, you know, count on. Open-minding, finding some wins, and then controlling what you can control from there. I like that. That's helpful. That's great. Yeah, and uh, I'd imagine that, you know, doing all those things, you learn about yourself more, but then there come so – and the more that you learn about yourself, the more easy it becomes to go into new environments and 
figure out faster where you where you where you might fit you know and finding those things you can control that's great um so you didn't play quarterback in for utah state you right you played tight end right no you didn't play tight end you played defensive corner. back corner yep that's it oh back. yes sir. corner yes sir that's awesome man. so i got listed as an athlete um my senior year so actually to my freshman and sophomore year right didn't want to get tackled things like that but then my sophomore year i actually got put in on defense a little bit because they saw my skill set and i started to adapt to a little bit it wasn't like a full-time thing but like if we're up by a lot of points and they need another skill guy in the back end i would go play in the back end somewhere and kind of had a couple picks or whatever so i was like oh this is cool too like it's not bad. And then I'm the one doing the hitting, too. So it kind of, my mind kind of flipped yeah, on it a little go. bit. Well, then my junior year, I actually had to take the back seat at quarterback to the senior that was there at the time because he was getting Division One looks, and he was really good. Mm-hmm. He led us to the playoffs last year. So I had to adapt, and I think they kind of saw the writer on the wall. So when I came my junior year, I actually played defensive back corner that whole season and not quarterback. And I ended up breaking the school record for eight interceptions. And it was, it was something that I didn't expect to happen, but it worked <laughs> out really well. And I really started to like it. So That's cool. come my senior year, I started to do both. So I was a full-time quarterback and full-time corner the whole year and kind of broke some records and was an all-state player from there as an athlete. So could have went play quarterback. I wouldn't say I could play quarterback at D1. That's, that's another level. Maybe if I trained at it like they do, but going in there as an athlete, I think the whole intention was for me to play uh, defensive back. So I ended up playing defensive back at um, Utah State and then played all – I say defensive back because I played a corner, I played the nickel spot, and I played a little bit of safety too at a pro le- at the pro level too. So, Man. Well, that's a dangerous combo, a quarterback that can move. Yeah. You got to have some legs on you, man. That's cool. That's what it was. And playing quarterback actually helped me at defense because then I could start finding the tendencies uh, of the yeah. formations, of the situation, and if they're aligning certain ways. It's like that's why I was able to kind of read it. And that kind of stuck with me all the way through, too, being able to understand and identify the opposition to almost as good as I know my own position was like, one of the kickers. Oh, that's cool. So you, okay. So coming out of college, you, how did, how did making it to pro work from college? How did that transition happen? Yeah, that's an experience in itself where you start to get the rhyme of real life. College is over. Okay. (laughs) You have to start, getting ready for a, 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 your resume and audition for a job. That's what it is, and that's what the pro day is for. So after my senior year, I did declare to go to the NFL draft. So you get, a, you get an agent that helps you with that process. I was able to pick an agent, and that was a, a process too, picking the right agent, the agent that's going to support you financially through your last semester so you can do the proper training, have the proper food, uh, get the proper resources to perform at your best on a pro day, get you lined up with other teams and workouts. So you want somebody that can do that. And that's a ton of agents. And depending on the caliber of player you are, 
you're going to get this top friend, top agent, right? Or depending on if you're barely a, a guy that's prospect to get drafted, you're going to get that type of agent. So I was a prospect to get drafted, wasn't one of the top guys, didn't get invited to the NFL combine, but I did have two pro days, meaning NFL scouts came to Utah State, and we ran a 40-yard dash, uh, agility drills, backpedal drills, defensive back drills. And, you know, that that's something I learned that you can be able to put your best foot forward without, like, overstraining to get what you really want. Like, mm-hmm. for me, those moments come where you want it so bad. You want it so bad. So yeah. I'm like backpedaling as hard as I can. I'm like, bro, you just need to relax in these moments because that's what your natural state is. So mm. being able, and again, that's the dad part again, but that's for my first pro day, um, I would say I was super tense, super like anxious to perform training three months for this moment. Then I had a second pro day and I felt like I was more at ease, more comfortable, just relaxed, letting the moment come. So being able to kind of find that self sense of self through that process was pretty cool. From what I understand, while you're going to these camps, you had reps from the CFL coming to try to recruit you. But at that point, I mean, CFL, you don't hear about that much in the United States. CFL, Canadian Football League. Right. So what was your, how did you feel when you first had a CFL rep come and talk to you? Well, great question. And it happened after, well, my first rep was during pro day. So not only that the NFL teams are there, the CFL teams are there too. And the same response you kind of had there, I'm like, the BC Lions? What? Oh, Lions? I know the Detroit Lions. That's the, I, don't, I don't know who the BC Lions. Where is BC? Vancouver? Where's Vancouver? I'm never, I don't even know where that's at. Sorry. Like, and I'm in college. I shouldn't know where it's at. But I don't, I didn't know they played football, right? I wasn't aware. So that was my first, like, I'm going to the league, like the NFL. Like, I thought, I didn't brush them off, not rude, but I just always felt like that's been the goal. The mission is NFL. So once NFL actor Dallas Cowboys, I get cut, I'm actually just on the couch. So, I end up being a counselor at a group home in that interterm time. So we had the lockout 2011. I went to camp. And then after camp, I was a counselor for like a four-month span in Sacramento, California. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I'm working out for Seattle. I'm working out for 49ers. Um, I actually got a – I worked out for Seahawks. And then I also had got a future waivers contract to play for the Chicago Bears the following rookie minicamp so i had that in place and talking but then that means i'll be waiting the whole year and i wouldn't be able to be doing anything and i'm like is there anything you could do now and the interest of the calgary stampeders and this canadian football league was was very high and they're like look we're having a rookie minicamp for this upcoming season because the timing of the seasons are way different the Canadian Football League starts like summer because it gets a lot colder <laughs> a lot sooner. So they start like May is the training camp and then mm-hmm. June and then it ends in November. Uh, NFL starts more August. So right around that May time, June time, I went out to a rookie uh, mini camp and just learning from the 
experience I just had in the NFL, I kind of already was putting my better foot forward from that that experience, being able to understand the importance of certain things of the game. And I, I was around DeMarcus Ware, Des Bryant, Tony Romo, Terrence Newman, these classic, like, well-renowned guys. Legends. And seeing how they move a little bit, I'm like, okay, I, that's the circle I want to kind of be around anyway. So I'm, like, paying attention to it. So that comes along with me. And I don't feel like a rookie. I feel like this is like I'm supposed to have this, right? So yeah. I go in there with that mind and kind of do some good things, get invited into the actual training camp, do some real good things, and honestly got to play my rookie year and was nominated for a rookie year in the Canadian Football League. So it kind of all kind of rolled in together once the opportunity presented itself once I got released from the Dallas Cowboys. Right on, man. So – Backing up with the Dallas Cowboys really quick. What were your thoughts? How did you process it when you got cut from the Dallas Cowboys? Whew, that's a hard one. That was that one was like I couldn't process it really well, being that I played football for I think ten straight years and it's like my first time not playing football. Mm-hmm. And it was like what? What do I? What am I supposed to be doing right now? Like, yeah, <laughs> like literally, I did not know what else to do. So I would say I went through a phase of just trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing, and that was really good in itself because a lot of people don't get the experience experience that till they're actually done with football, right? So I was a counselor at a group home. I was still training. I was building the habits to still play football. I was still doing it, but also knowing that I can't just be at my mom's house, like yeah. hoping I get the ball back. Right. So that happened though. My first couple of weeks I was at my mom's house. Mom was there for me. Like I'm still thinking like, they just going to call me back. Cause the situation was like, Oh, it's between you and another guy. And you know how it works out. Like we need help in this area right now. So just be ready. We may call you back. So those first couple of weeks, I'm optimistic, like, oh, they yeah. probably just called me back. I'm still heart, heart that I'm not there, but I'm at my mom's house, I'm training. But then a couple of weeks, few weeks go by, and I'm like, I can't stay at my mom's house, and I don't know if they're going to call me back or not. So when my resume used my all my um, my skills from Utah State on a computer and um, got a job as a counselor at a group home, and that kind of was like, again, fighting a way to adapt to your situation. And for me, I did go through times where it was sad and I was upset, like real mad. I don't have football. I don't know what's going on. I'm in limbo. But the overall feeling is like, I'm still going to, I'm going to the league. I'm still about to go for this. Like that was the underline of it all. So when Calgary did come by and say, we want you to play, I was ready to go. That's great. Yeah, that's. I, I feel like there are just two options there, right? I mean, you keep going or you, you settle down and find a different route. And, man, that's great. So when you went to your first camp with the CFL, what was that like? How did that change your view on the CFL when, when you experienced that? Yeah. So the rules are different. That's at at the that at the rookie mini camp, but then there's a lot of nuances actually to the game, which makes it a really cool game. I love the game. 
I'm an honorary Canadian. I, I always tell people that, that I've cool. been out there long enough where much respect for the culture. Because, uh, you know, the Canadian Football League has actually been around longer than the NFL. So they have this game that's been built into their culture for a very long time. So that part was the beginning. When you go to training camp, they let you know that. Because there's 21 yeah. Americans per team. So mm. uh, we're all new. So you got to get uh, your passport, of course. You got to get a residency permit. You have to do certain things to abide by be a, a citizen of the, the culture and the country. So along with that, they teach you the the ways of the game and the culture, which is kind of first things first in training camp, learning the fight song, learning the anthem, like all that was all new to me too, because I only knew one anthem at the time, yeah. but I know now. <laughs> oh, learning a completely new culture, but then the game in itself was new too. So I feel like a lot of us was learning on the go. So it was like, how can you process it as fast as you can and make it as similar to the game down south as possible? And that's kind of what some of the guys I met in the in the locker room told me to do, some of the older guys. And I was able to build on that from the from day one to the final day. And learning from training camp in Dallas Cowboys, how crucial um, playing special teams was to your value add really stuck out to me too so when i was doing those special teams drills i was going a million miles per hour i'm telling you i was not going back home because even though we can have 21 mares per team they bring in 40 americans for training camp mm -hmm. so it's like you gotta make your way every single year so yeah. it's like there's no way nope i'm not going back so if it was just me being special teams then i'm staying too Either way it would be, right? I feel like in Dallas Cowboys, I had the opportunity to make it, in a sense, like um, through the role of a special teams player. Even though that wasn't my primary position in, in Utah State, I was an yeah. outside corner. I played special teams like my freshman year, but I didn't play special teams after that. Yeah. So not really being privy to that idea of special teams or having a technique or with about it, really, to perform at the high level a lot of it is effort though i'm not gonna mm. knock why i didn't make it a lot of it is effort and that's why i was getting looked at that way but mm. then it becomes technical at some point where you're going against double teams and needing to figure your way to get to that ball or lock someone up so i feel like i can get better at that uh once i had the effort mm -hmm. so when i got to canada i applied both effort and technique and took it to another level so made that something that I really wanted to excel at during that training camp and let that be something that adds to what I bring to the team and that, and it kind of played itself that way too. It sounds like a lot of other people probably had a chip on their shoulder and wanted to put in that effort too. Coming to the CFL, um, there's probably a lot, a lot more of a competition than what was probably realized initially, right? 100% and the talent pool too because you think it's not the NFL so how hard could it be Yeah. but no these are all guys that were just where you were <laughs> the, yeah. everybody touched the NFL or they were great in college like all these guys like the NFL is only so big you cannot yeah. you can't have all the players right so yeah. I mean Warren Moon you got um, some other you got Johnny Manziel actually is a popular name Chad Ocho Cinco uh, Troy Smith, who was a Heisman Trophy winner. So you have some 
really well-renowned guys. Um, Ricky Williams was in this Canadian Football League. So a lot of people touch and dabble into the CFL. But for the most part, man, I I didn't care who was going up there. I was I was determined. Like, it didn't matter. Like, yeah. I don't care who. I'm not going home. I'm not going to my mom's house. I'm not going back to the group home. I um, I got my passport. I'm trying to stay up here. That's kind of what's my mindset. But ultimately, that is the fabric of the CFL. It's some. It's a group of people who've all been cut, so they do not want to go back home. So mm-hmm. that is everybody fighting like crazy for them 21 spots. It's and it it brings the best out. It's a good quality of football. Yeah, yeah. I so here's the difference in rules. I want to watch a CFL game because it sounds way more exciting than the NFL game. Like, and I love watching football, but yeah, it, CFL sounds sounds really cool. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about the rules, the difference in rules between Canadian football and American football? Yeah. So one of the major differences is the the down conversion to get a first down. So. If you are playing American football, you get four chances to advance the ball 10 yards before you get another four chances. And Canadian Football League, you get three chances to advance it three yards. And so that makes it like, all right, I can't run the ball necessarily if I'm not going to get an X amount of yard per carry. Uh, Which, if you can have a good running game in the Canadian Football League, you can slow the clock down, you can control the the way they attack you because they all want to get the run and the field, the field is much bigger too. That's another rule. So another difference. So the rule, the field is 120, 140 yards because they got 20 yard end zones and you, you can have the full use of the end zone. Cause another difference is the field goal pulse is actually at the goal line in the CFL instead of the back of the end zone. That's in the NFL. So, a few nuances that that's dangerous. That's one that you it's happened and you can oh. use it as leverage too to like oh, yeah. completely have somebody run into that thing. Like do some yo yo motions <laughs> or do some rub routes, and I've definitely seen it for sure. Oh, that's crazy. Man, that's that's great. So what was the biggest lesson you would say you've learned in your first rookie season of the CFL? Oh, well, patience too, uh, a lot of patience. Well, because it doesn't always happen for a rookie, like right off the bat. I don't I don't think it happens all the time. But yeah, if you're drafted as a guy to be that guy, then yeah. But most for the most part, as a rookie, you're coming to f- figure out a role, you know, um, and that's kind of what it was for me. Uh, my rookie year. Although I had a great preseason, great training camp, my first two games, I actually wasn't on an active roster because of just figuring out where I can be the best of value on a team. And that was a very hard challenge. After seeing so much success and following the steps along the way to get the opportunity where I am now, thinking that I've done enough to, you know, go out there and perform. But then being told that they're not was very challenging. And I had to learn a lot of patience. And I was telling my agent, yo, 
get me out of here. Like, how how can I go somewhere else? Like, how can we figure out I want to be on the field? This is not okay. And yeah. every single day I practice and knowing that I'm not going to play in a game, I was going so hard. Like, they was getting mad at how hard I was going. I could have gone went the other way and started pouting about it and saying I'm not going to play and they're doing me wrong and it's they are doing this and this, this, and that. I'm like, nope, now y'all just going to know why y'all should be playing me because I'm about to go hard every single day. And I'm not going to be nice, but I'm not going to be rude, but I'm not going to be nice. And I'm just about to come turn up every single day. So that was something I had to go through my first couple of weeks. And then after the second week, they said that I can come in on a special teams role. That game, the guy in front of me actually got hurt. And then the rest is history. So I started every game. I started 16 out of the 18 games. From that point on that's amazing man that's a hard situation to be in oh you're not placed so it tested you so much and it's like yeah. i just came from not even playing right but I, I mean after you go through it and you feel like you've earned uh at least opportunity to help contribute that's the only reason why i'm here yeah and you don't get it it's like all right who really wants me to help them like who yeah because this this is not the best use in my mind but again grow from it and adapt and keep going yeah what's the biggest thing that kept you from quitting in that in that situation well ultimately um the realization that you just came from the couch okay Mm. it's like (laughs) none of this is promise be be grateful be humble understand that it's not your timing right it's it's not all Maybe it was meant for you to wait this time. And that comes through growing exactly. But I've been a part of my team chaplain group since I started playing pro ball. I was actually the leader of my team chaplain group, leaving my team and study Bible study every week and um, team prayer as well. So that's every time we're huddling after games at the 50-yard line as a complete unit, both uh, both teams. So I've always had a strong sense of faith has been at the core so lean not on your lean not on your own understandings right that's for me trying to figure out like why i'm not playing why i'm not doing this and yeah once i start to like just let the moment happen and you know just play play your role play your part and just do it to the best of your ability every time like that's kind of been my underline as well to like allow me to stay resilient through through setbacks that's amazing and and i feel bad for skipping over i didn't really skip over it, but we didn't touch enough on it you were rookie of the year yeah slight some slight nothing crazy uh we went to the great cup too we went to the great cup which is equivalent to the super bowl my rookie year which that's is amazing. like crazy we had justin bieber performing at halftime we're in toronto we end up losing that game by 14 points and it's a sad story because I played eight more years, seven more years, and never went back to the glory game. Oh, so that was a tough man. one, to tough one, tough one, tough one. But great career. I love it. I can't even look at the Great Cup trophy like without almost getting a tear. It's like yeah, so many training camps, so many injuries, so many – days away from family, so many workouts, so many film studies, so many 
uh, travel. It was like, it's a lot of, you know, commitment and it really is for the glory, right? It's for yeah. your best self. Yeah. It's for the fear of like not winning and then it's the glory. Like yeah. that's what it is that keeps you going. There are a few things in life that combine physical toughness, you know, that when you're tested physically and mentally at the same time, that's way harder when you test them separately. You know, when you're in the weight room, great. But when yeah. you're tested mentally and physically at the same time, you know, that's way harder than in the weight room or just taking like a written test. And especially when you put in so much work and you're mentally exhausted, you're physically exhausted and you lose. There are lessons that come from that that can't be taught any other way. I think that's just, it's, you really can't even put into words how hard that is. Um, right. But it sounds like you had an incredible career to say the least. And, and people really don't realize how big Canadian football is. How many people would you say are at a game? Oh, easily 30,000, 40,000 to a game. Um, and on the stadium, too. So if you're at the Grey Cup, you're getting, you know, max. It sells out. Like, you're going to get 60. If you're at the VC Vancouver Stadium, you're going to get about 60,000. Most stadiums seat about anywhere from thirty to 40,000. That's pretty much the capacity. That's crazy, man. What were, what's the biggest lesson you took away from playing professional football? Oh, yeah, man. So I was in Canada living, you know, the dream plan of kids game for a living. So that was a very fortunate, you know, situation. I feel like that I was able to kind of extend longer than you're supposed to. Like in the Canadian Football League, the average years is two. Because, yeah, seven you know, years is a lot. Of revolving. But in the NFL, it's like three and a half, like the average. But the CFL was way more revolving than the NFL. So stick around as much as I did. Super grateful. I feel like one of the biggest lessons I took away is when I um, tore my ACL and things slowed, slowed down for me a ton. Like that happened 2016, September 9th. Um, so it was something that I had to grow through, had to really go through and figure out how can I recreate myself in a sense, right? Like, going through that process allowed me to get ready for my life after football. Mm. So, or my life in general, how I wanted to see. So being able to slow down, not have football, being able to ask myself the question, what we're going to do with our lives, what we're going to do next. Yeah. Um, kind of allowed me to get a, a mental mindset on what it was like me just looking at myself. I was witnessing what I was doing being humble and experience and seeing how can this continue to, you know, be the person you want to be in this, in this life without football. So that's what I kind of been able to adapt to being able to get my real estate license at that time, be able to then figure out, all right, if I get my license, I'm an independent contractor, which is very similar to uh, an NFL player. You got agents you got training camp where you're still trying to be the best you can be at each and every turn. You know, you got people that's all stars in the game that are doing really well and there's mm -hmm. blueprints on how to be better. So 
Um, I think the CFL, the NFL always gave me a blueprint on what I wanted to do when I looked at Deion Sanders. I looked at Darrell Revis and um, I seen Adrian Peterson, who actually tore his ACL and came back. I looked at those things as like always models of how I can be able to achieve similar success and being able to get my license and be in this industry of real estate. I've been able to try to keep the same systems that I had when I was a football player of just consistency, being able to find people that are going to allow you to you know, grow and thrive in an environment that is best suited for me. And then also, you know, putting in my work to make sure that I don't, that I can excel, like that I'm prepared for the game, that I can perform. So a lot of similarities, a lot of crossover from football to to what I do now. And I think ultimately having that experience allowed me to be prepared for what I'm doing. That's awesome, man. Well, I believe it. I believe that probably made you an outstanding real estate agent and, and helping people with that. Cause that's a, that's a big thing that the people need help with. And, and I feel like the real, the field of being a real estate agent, it's, has a bad rap because people aren't good enough for it. You know, they they don't put in the right. work that, that needs to be done and they don't, they don't educate themselves the way that they should. So I think that's cool. Uh, that's a, yeah. The that's average realtor does what, what, like three deals or one <laughs> or two deals. You have your license, right? That's, yeah. that's, I make sure I pay attention to the stats kind of just like I did in football. Yeah. I pay attention to the environment, just like, you know, the situation you're going to be in in football. I pay attention to the buyer's needs and wants, seller's needs and wants, how we can navigate in the current climate. Um, that's really, again, I feel like if you, if you want to be great, you can be great. If you want to just be however you want to be, you can be that too. So real estate allows you to do that. The game of football to a certain point allows you to do that. But again, real estate, I take it in high regard. Like you just mentioned, it's a serious ordeal. People's biggest investment and for them to come to someone that they want to trust and rely on. And it's me. I, I take that in high regard. Yeah, man. Well, that's great. What would you say is your life's mission? Yeah, man, I've been, critiquing this as well, like your purpose, mission, all these things. Like I ultimately want to maximize my potential and be around a circle of people where I can help maximize their potential. So in order to do that, I, I have to be walking the walk and also helping people walk their walk. Right. So that's been allowing me to allow people to achieve whatever dream they see, right? My business, my mantra is achieve dreams. So mm. I, I do my best to achieve my dreams and show you the successes that I've had and failures, as we talked about already, being cut, being hurt. A lot of these things happen, but that's part of achieving a dream, right? So walking that walk and then teaching people how how they can better walk in their path to, to greatness is kind of where I'm at, whether it be with real estate, whether it's passing the game down in football, um, I, that's kind of where my my influence really kind of is magnified. But then having that walk as a father, as a husband, as a son, as a brother, it's like that's who you are. That's not something I am just doing for a certain group of people or a certain act. Like 
I am definitely maximizing my potential, always trying to at least and surround myself with people that I can do that for them. That's great, man. And from what I understand, how you're doing that right now, not just in real estate, but you're doing that with football with kids, right? That's right. That is true. Yeah. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, man, the game, this that leather ball, that pigskin has actually opened my horizons to playing in Canada. Come on. Like I since having my passport, I've been to about thirty countries. It's like I yeah. I didn't I didn't even know to get a passport, but Canada presented that to me. The pigskin uh led me to get a scholarship at Utah State where I met my wife. Now I'm out here in Utah. Yeah. So the pigskin is just shown his way in my life so many so many different forms so um i was able to kind of have the opportunity to train some athletes while i was still training to play in the canadian football league that trickled into them telling some friends and now it two turns to 14 and i'm helping like 14 athletes walk their walk and football is like the game that i've been doing my whole entire life like i really know it so 14's grown into 40 now. So I, I have about like 40 athletes <laughs> that awesome. I help walk the walk. And it's been such a blessing. It's been something that it allows me to continue to stay true to who I am because I'm talking in a language that I'm so used to, uh, used to, and I can express that to these athletes. And I have to be creative because they're a little younger. And it's just like, are you doing things that you're telling them to do? Like, are you? Because like, you can't tell them to achieve a dream, work hard every day, do the things when people aren't watching, make sure you're listening and breaking down your strengths and weaknesses. You can't tell them to do all that and then you not do it. Mm -hmm. So that keeps me so locked in. It's been like a really rock to what I do and to my business from that standpoint. My athletes and their parents are, you know, it's all encompassing when it comes to uh, what I can do as a value add, especially as their realtor. So if you're going to trust me with your biggest investment, which is your kid, I can also help you with a team of people that can help you with your second investment, whether it be real estate related, you know? So that's something I've been able to kind of cultivate as well. Whereas my, my database is expanded to the athletes that I train. So I just try to keep it, trying to build a small community of just, you know, people that are trying to achieve a dream. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. So I have one last question, and then I'm going to let you go. It's early. Your alarm goes off. You're tired. Mm -hmm. What do you think about before you get the drive to get out of that nice warm bed? What goes through your mind? Oh, good question, man. So for me, it's been different for every period i feel like i'm in a different period in my life now so when i was playing it really was the trophy like or my role to because i'm part of a whole organization that pays you a lot of money or that the obligation how you provide for your family like oh i was popping up definitely for the great cup and for the betterment of the team and my role now either that's football is over it's like okay how can like you try to set these intentions, right? You try to set, for me, I've always had a coach and that's something I recommend for anybody because it's changed my life. I feel like part of the influence from coming to Oakland to Merced, 
I had a coach that guided me through that aspect, and it was more than a coach. It was somebody that would take me in at home and teach me, you know, more than just basketball. Mm-hmm. So I had that in high school. I had that in college. Even at a pro level, I had coaches guiding me all the way through. So even now in this phase after football, I have a coach, and there's a direction, and there's a line. So when you say your family is the word of the year, you better mean that your family is the word of the year. If you have a goal to compete in a Spartan race and you say you're going to train for it, you better train for it. Like you are who you say you are, right? Your word is bond. So I say these things with intention. So when that alarm come out, like you got a question you ask yourself right there, like who you are, who you say you are. And that's kind of, that allows me to get up or maybe press news. I'm not perfect. I ain't gonna lie. But um yeah, I, I, I do ask myself that question and it's like, get up, right? And it really sets yourself up from the day before. I know that was just a question, but if you go to sleep at 11, it's, it's hard. It is yeah. hard work. Yeah. You got to be between that. 10 is the latest. You got to yeah. be that 8 to 10 window, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> if that happens, then we're up and there's no problems. Yeah. I, the best days always, it's always when you go to bed in like the nine o'clock hour. You know, maybe even earlier. And the next day is Man. so much better. Oh, it always is. But some <laughs> somehow I always push it to ten, ten thirty. Yeah. Especially watching sports or something. But yeah, yeah I kind of live in that nine to ten thirty window. If I can stay in there, uh, waking up at five isn't that bad. Nice. Right on, man. Well, Chris, yes, Chris Randall, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Thanks for having me, man. And hey, shout out to you. Shout out to Presidio. I know you don't speak about yourself much, but I think this is even you. from the initial conversations we had, man, I can I can hear your intent. I can hear how you are just really curious in getting a certain message out. And I stand for that. So continue to good work. do good work, man. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Thanks for watching all the way through, guys. You rock. And if you enjoyed the listen, please leave a review and drop a like. If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you listen on because it's just the channel is just going to get better and better. It's, uh, it is a new channel, but I, I'm glad that you enjoyed it so far. And I'll see you on the next one. But until then, just know you just got to keep moving. That's all you got to do. Even if you don't know what you're going to do, move. Don't stay still. Okay, bye.